You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, Chuck started our series, The Greatness of the Gospel, last week. And if you remember anything, you remember that uh, the good news was that the Cincinnati Reds won the World Series. And uh, that good news was not received by everybody. And what's interesting is that not everybody receives the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, neither. It's just like, how could we, how could we not receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It manifests in the Father's initiative. He's the one that takes the first step, as he always does. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his love, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's just a huge shift in our understanding of, of what the gospel is. The gospel is, is not about condemnation. It's about redemption. It's about a God whose love for us is so great that he was willing to make the supreme sacrifice so that we would not experience an eternity without relationship with him. So Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Mm. The New Living Translation puts it this way, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ, for it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Hmm. So today we're gonna to talk about the gospel is always relevant. It's always relevant. Uh, a lot of times in the church, we've, we, we're trying to package church life in attractional ways so that people will think, hey, I better go to the vineyard at Mount Comfort because they're cool cats. <laughs> Did you see how their parking lot looks? It looks like they don't have any money. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but in the attractional model, we, we, we get it, all the externals looking really, really good so that people will be attracted. The community will say and say, man, there is something wonderful about that, that property, that building, what's going on there. And I, I drive around as well as you, and I see some buildings and I'm saying, man, that really looks good. I think they probably got it all together at that church. That's pretty amazing. And there's nothing wrong with being attractional. It's like my natural good looks. There's nothing I can do about it. This is the way God created me, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't feel bad about how I comb my hair. So it's, it's there. But if it's our goal to be attractional and we think that's what's going to save the world, we're missing the boat. Yeah. We're not really catching what the essence of the gospel is. I think the gospel is attractive. You tell me over here on this side is life without Christ and over here is life with relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through Christ. This looks a whole lot better. 
And I know that I'm, I'm preaching to already believers, but it's like, do you know that some people don't think that this side really is more attractive? That it really is something that they want? Why is that? Well, we want to be relevant. We find that the gospel remains the most profound, applicable, reliable, and accessible way to address the issues of our time. Whether those issues are stirring in the hearts of individuals or are being discussed in the halls of our social institutions. Hmm. One of the things that makes the gospel so great and so wonderful is that it is relevant to today because in today we have problems that we need solutions. And there are certain ways about going about solving different situations that you can't get from where we are to where we want to be with just natural wisdom, with natural, rational thought. So as we come into the new birth through Jesus Christ, as we are birthed into the Spirit, by the Spirit, then we position ourselves where we can hear and receive from the spirit realm what the Father is saying, what the Father is doing. We receive the mind of Christ. I think Jesus has a pretty good mind. I, I would recommend everybody exchange yours for his. I wish it worked that way. I, I would have his mind right now. But I find that it's a process of exposing myself to his presence in relationship with him that causes me to start to see him as he truly is. And then I start to think differently. I don't think my stinking thinking. I start thinking the kind of thoughts that are redemptive, that are good, and that will benefit not only myself, but those that are around me. What if the solution to the problems of our world today is found in a deep relationship with Christ to where we begin to receive his understanding and the Holy Spirit releases his gifts to us and we start receiving these gifts that are listed in the scripture, words of knowledge and words of wisdom and we start receiving these powerful anointings of the Holy Spirit to bring healing for sickness. And as we start to receive those kind of things, then we have an impact in our world around us. I don't know about you, but my temperament is, is kind of specific and analytical. And so that when I have a task that looks like it's huge and monumental, I don't know where to begin. Sometimes I just get stuck like a deer in the headlights. I'm paralyzed by the size of the task. I don't know what to do, how to begin, where to start. But that's why we don't walk alone. We have brothers and sisters. And, and I love it when I have a brother who, who comes alongside and says, Rick, let me help you with that. That looks like a pretty big task. And as they come, they come alongside, they start helping. It's amazing what happens. Being pastoral, I don't mind work as long as I'm not doing it by myself. 
I like fellowship. And when you have fellowship, it's amazing how the tasks grow lighter and easier. And so when we, when we look at, at all the problems that our world is facing right now in this, this point of historical pivot, it's like, yeah, the greatness of the gospel is needed today because it is so relevant to what we absolutely need for today. We've got a lot of serious problems. And the Lord has every solution to every problem. He's not up there thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. They've messed up my planet so bad. They've got their politics all out of kilter. I don't know what we're going to do. No, he knows exactly what to do. So we need to listen to him. We need to, to get into that relationship with him where we can actually hear. Because we find that the gospel is the tool that we bring to the task. It is the weapon that we bring to the war. And it is the strength that we bring to the struggle. It's the good news of full relationship with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. The gospel is also hope that we bring to every season of life. We bring the hope of an eternal relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no other message that's up to the task of winning the world by winning the human heart and changing its motivations. That's transformation. So what we have to do is we've got to name the real enemy. What is the real enemy? Right now in, in, our, in our culture, in the United States, we have so many people trying to identify who the enemy is, who's the blame, where, where we need to cast our stones. And what we find is those aren't the true enemies. Ephesians that we, we looked at for our declaration today, we'll look at again because it identifies who our enemy is. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard, and after you've done everything, to stand. In other words, there's a battle. And that's why we need a, a savior. That's the greatness of the good news of Jesus Christ. He's here to set things back in order. From the fall, our rebellion, our sin against him. We find that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And yet how many times do we go at it with another human being? You look at this even, even in marriage. How many times the husband and wife relationship, there's so much friction. And, and, and we don't realize that there's something behind what's going on and not really the person that we're in conflict with. Something gets said. My insecurities rise up. I lash back. 
Now feelings are hurt and we get this thing going back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, oh, I wonder if the Lord would like to, to minister to that wound of insecurity in my heart. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever had a rejection in your life, but being that you are a human being and you live on planet Earth, I, I think I'm probably safe in saying somebody's probably rejected you at some point. And oftentimes those, those wounds go down so deep that we don't realize it and then they manifest in relationships. And the enemy is behind all of this through the agreements that he was whispering into our ear at the moment that we felt rejected where he said, you'll never be enough and it's because of this and he sends one lie after another. And as he builds those and we agree, he has a, a legal right of access to that place in your heart to try to continue to, to build upon that until there's almost a, a complete stronghold, a self-sustained system of belief and thought. And so when anybody says something like, and it hits your insecurity button, man, it pours out. But the enemy there is not the person that triggers your problem. The person that triggered your wound is not your enemy. The enemy is your enemy. It's a spirit of insecurity. It's a spirit of rejection. It's, it's the way the enemy tries to work within your life to make you think that white's black and black's white. He tries to get you to exchange the truth about you for the lie. And so it, it goes and it goes and it goes. Hmm. I love this passage where it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. That's one of the main reasons Jesus came. That's the good news of the gospel. Any place where the devil has been working, Jesus is ready to undo and redeem and change 180 degrees, whatever the effects of the enemy's activity. So when I, when I think of, of the good news of the gospel being relevant, it's been re relevant ever since history of man. But we, we find in the prophet Isaiah in chapter 61, as he's speaking in his time, but he's also prophesying about the Messiah to come, Jesus, who's already come, has done these things, and he brings the context of the relevance of the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what he says in verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, 
a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. For they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Do you, do you hear what the Spirit is saying as we look at this passage? It says all of us that's been living in deficit, whether it's through poverty, whether it's, it's through brokenhearted relational issues, our, our internal world has been devastated, whether it's through incarceration, we're, we, we've pain the consequences of, of our actions. We're, we're in prison, we're incarcerated, we're locked up physically, emotionally, spiritually. He says the good news, Jesus came so that all of those could be reversed. The poor could have the good news. They're accepted, they belong. They have an eternity of resources. They don't have to worry about what they eat or drink. In all eternity, they will be satisfied. The brokenhearted, relationally, their hearts have been devastated. The good news is that the gospel has come and the Savior has brought a love to bear in his presence, in his relationship. That's why you can't become a Christian by just believing an ideology, a philosophy, because it stays in your head and it never gets to your heart. But it's in a relationship with the Lord Jesus and through him with the Father and with the Holy Spirit that you have the relationship where his love washes over you. And as a result of that, your broken heart gets healed. Mm. And those that are, that are trapped, that need prison doors to open, whether it's addictions, whether it's confinement, whether it's cause and effect, or we're sowing what we reap, <laughs> we're reaping what we sow. You know, let's get this right. Whatever the cause and effect, when we find that we are in a place of limitation and restriction, and we can't be free to be ourselves, we find that the greatness of the gospel comes. And through relationship with Jesus, we understand the Father's love. We understand the anointing and the power of the Spirit. And we are free. We are no longer restricted. Does this apply to our society? Does this apply to the issues of our day? All the racial stuff, everything that's going on, we need to get out of prison so that we can be in relationship, so the love of the Father can flow through us, so that when we love, we don't see color in the sense of restriction or adapting and adjusting how we love. We see color. We love color. We bless color. The gospel is for today. The gospel is the message that our world needs today. It's relevant to every issue in your life. Jesus says, you've heard 
that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. The world lives by the lex talionis, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We retaliate and we respond in an appropriate response. So if you say, I'm fat, I say, you're double fat. Not in the kingdom. The way the world functions is different. In the kingdom, we love. If there's an insult, we don't retaliate with an insult. We let the love that is in our relationship with Jesus come to light and be our response. So we got to get it right. Who is our enemy? Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not Republicans and Democrats. Our, our enemy is not blacks or whites or Hispanics or Asians. Our enemy has been identified. He is the devil that seeks to operate all the different ways. But if we don't correctly identify who our enemy is, if we misidentify our enemy, we'll be fighting a battle the rest of our life. And it's the wrong battle. It's not the one that we're called to fight. So we find that as citizens of the kingdom, we come to battle with a tool, a weapon, and a strength that is beyond what the world will ever be able to conjure. The gospel of love that stops the momentum of hate. There seems to be almost like a loss of confidence in the power of the gospel. I see it in certain parts of the body of Christ where they don't see the gospel for what it truly is. The gospel is so much more than the plan of salvation that gets us from sin to forgiveness to heaven. But it's the plan of reconciliation of children who've been estranged from their father and reconnected with their father, whereby they get their identity back. They know that they belong, they know that they're loved, and they know that their father is pleased with them. And from that place, they build that relationship where they begin to believe and understand how the father thinks and how he feels about them and how he feels about other people. And as a result of that, we get to partner with him. That's what proclaiming good news is. We're just partnering, partnering with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit and being able to articulate his love in a relevant way to people's predicaments, their circumstances. There are parts of the body of Christ that seems to be losing their confidence in the intrinsic power and the greatness of the gospel to actually be the answer for the world today. Mm. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what we bring to the world. It's the good news. It's the best news. 
we're carrying the message that will not only bring an impact to an individual, but will change a family, which will penetrate a community, which will change a city, which will transform a state and a country and a hemisphere and the whole globe. I'm getting excited about the gospel. It's quite powerful. The gospel works. It works in regard to human, in, human justice. We need the gospel if we're ever gonna get justice. It works in transforming hearts. It works in transforming behavior, our actions. It works in transforming our lives so that they demonstrate mercy and love. The gospel works in to bringing us to and holding our attention toward the plight of human beings. It gets us out of ourself. There's a securing of God's love that comes through his gospel that we no longer are so preoccupied with our with ourself that we now, because of knowing who we are, we have eyes to see others the way he sees others. Finally, the gospel is always relevant. The gospel is always relevant. There's not one thing you're experiencing that the gospel doesn't have the answer. It doesn't apply. It applies to everything. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.